Good afternoon, friends, and thank you so much for coming. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Because I live, you shall live also. Friends, we have gathered here in this place to praise God and to witness to our faith as we celebrate the life of Gwen Barnwell Dalton. We come together in grief, acknowledging our human loss. May God grant us grace that in pain we may find comfort, in sorrow, hope, and in death, resurrection. Would you join with you now as we stand and sing together hymn number 383? This is a day of new beginnings. Let us pray. Eternal God, we praise you for the great company of all those who have finished their course in faith and now rest from their labor. We praise you for those dear to us whom we name and our hearts before you. Especially we praise you for Gwen, whom you have graciously received into your presence. To all of these grant your peace. Let perpetual light shine upon them. 
and help us so to believe where we have not seen that your presence may lead us through our years and bring us at last with them into the joy of your home, not made with hands, but eternal in the heavens, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Friends, you'll find printed in your bulletin the words to the 23rd Psalm. As I read them from here, I would invite you where you're seated to join with me. As together we uh, articulate uh, our hope, our faith, our confidence in God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hi everyone, uh, I have a memory, um, and it's probably my first memory, uh, and it's probably a memory that happened many times over for all of you know who've ever visited Gwynny at her house. Um, that house on Sardis Road, which was a blue, which definitely wasn't Carolina blue, a light pastel blue nonetheless. You walked in the front door and you hung a right, and there was a white carpet went down to the end of this hallway, this in, into the living room. And I have so many memories of rounding that corner and having Gwynny standing somewhere between the front door and the sunroom. And she greeted me with open arms and always said the first thing, I haven't had my hug today. <laughs> and 40 years on, 4,000 miles away, I spoke to Gwynny on FaceTime last week, and I told her that men memory. And, you know, at that point, it was very difficult for her to speak, and every word was an effort. But what she cho chose to say to me um, was, well, I still haven't had my hug today. <laughs> she was cracking a joke. Uh, she was trying to put me at ease when she was in so much discomfort. and. Isn't that just her, just ever the comforter, even when she herself was in so much discomfort? And I think in a context of a generation that made so many great and prominent sacrifices for our country and for the world, it's sometimes easy to forget those quieter but no less important sacrifices made day in and day out. The fortitude of staying positive in the face of adversity the capacity to change, the change with the times while still being thoroughly Gwynny, and the ability to provide comfort even in the times of utmost physical or emotional discomfort. It's one of the many facets and reasons why she was always our Gwynny and we love her so much.
sorry. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Um, Gwenny was so special to all of us, and I just wanted to share a couple of memories that I had with her. Um, the first one is just a story um, of her and her southern charm that she had. Um, she, when I was little, she would always tell us stories of um, when she was growing up. And she lived in Sudboro. She moved to Sudboro, Massachusetts, a little town outside of Boston. She, when she got there, there was a general store, and she was upset that they did not have any grits there for her <laughs> breakfast like they always had in the South. <laughs> so she convinced the store owner to order a stock of grits, an inventory of grits. Um, after it, she was sure they would become popular to everybody there. <laughs> After four years, Gwenny and Babu moved to Charlotte. They moved to Charlotte, and then they came back to visit. And she went back to that general store. And the, she this walked in, and the store owner nodded to her and said, Our grits inventory is still there. <laughs> he said, It is still proudly displayed, and remarked that, and Gwen, he said, Gwen, no one else in Massachusetts seemed to be as enthusiastic about the grits as you were. I imagine our inventory will last another 10 years. <laughs> another quick story that I have is just about how uh, gracious and caring Gwenny was. Um, I'm an administrator in the Charlotte school system as of next Tuesday. She would come to every school that I ever worked at. And I've always worked in Title I schools, which were for the most disadvantaged uh, students. When I was at Martin Luther King, she came and visited my class. And at the end of her visit, when she was leaving, the students said, Gwenny, will you be our grandmother too? And she said, yes. So I think that just shows how much of an impact, even in a short period of time, she had on those students. Just to summarize, um, there are no words. I was trying to think of words to describe Gwenny, but there aren't any words to describe her magnificence. Gwenny was love and light personified. She was a trusting and loving grandmother, a friend for all, and now our angel. So um, I have a memory to share as well. Um, you know, I have many memories thinking about Gwenny throughout my life. Um, but the one I wanted to share was the most recent memory um, before she got sick. It was four weeks ago. She was at the beach with um, my mom, Millie, and Dee Dee, and their husbands, um, Jimmy and Tommy. And it was a Wednesday. My mom and I were on FaceTime talking, and there was Gwenny sitting uh, in the background listening in and my mom asked how my meeting had gone that day and it had not gone well in my eyes um, so I said you know it didn't go well we met with these cardiologists and we had some problems to solve but we didn't talk about any of the problems we just sort of got to know each other and those problems still remain and Gwenny leaned in and she said that sounds like a team building meeting. <laughs> and I laughed a little and I said, yeah, I guess it was a team building meeting, Gwenny. And she said, 
were there any cocktails? <laughs> and, you know, there haven't been cocktails at a team building meeting in the hospital for decades. Um, so I said, no, Gwenny, there weren't cocktails there, smiling. And then she said, well, a team building meeting is always better if there's cocktails. <laughs> and I laughed, and I immediately felt better about my meeting, and I think Gwenny was um, showing me that sometimes in life it's the connections that we have with people that are most important. Um, and thinking back on that conversation makes me realize that Gwenny's been connecting with me and all of us at every point in our life, no matter where we are. And she has this uncanny ability to make those connections. Um, whether you're a little baby on the floor or she's at a dinner party having an intellectual conversation. So I thought that was really special. One quality to share about Gwenny. Thanks. I think it's been since sixth grade since I've spoken in front of audience, so bear with me. Um, since little girl, Gwenny drove me onto the beach and put me straight in the sand. We didn't do many walks together, but if we did, it would take an hour to go five feet. We were huge shell collectors. This is the Nautilus shell. I'll probably break it if I try to put it on the stand. Um, this was her grandmother's inside the Nautilus shell. These Nautilus shells live a long time building their shells. They weave in and out and make these little compartments. Inside these compartments are pearls. It's a pearl iridescent color. That was my Gwenny. That was our Gwenny. That was Charlotte's Gwenny. That was the world's Gwenny. Whomever she came across, she always touched. These little things inside are the people and lessons and stories she built for 99 and a half years. And let us all continue to carry on her love, her care, her presence. What is time? We shall not rush around. When I call Gwenny, I'm like, I'll be over there. I'll be over there soon. See you at six. And she'd add, ish. <laughs> It'd take a huge weight off of my shoulders and let me know I'm okay. I'm not rushing around to meet other people's expectations. She let us all be comfortable with who we were. She, speaking of presence, I'm almost finished. I know there's a timeline. Ish. Um, <laughs> speaking of presence, she was one to notice the intricate details. Bobby would be racing down, gotta go as fast as we can, gotta get there. She's like, Bob, stop, look at that little leaf up there. The shells, we would stop and look at the little thing. That's presence. That's how we learn. 
That's how we live our lives. That's what God would want us. Love what's around us. Love our nature. Take it in and use our garden. It's okay. We don't have to come to church. Sit outside in nature. God's all around us. That's our sanctuary. One more thing, quick. Gwenny left us at 99. Nine o'clock, Sunday evening. It was kind of crazy, sudden, but she went at peace. Totally peace, under the full moon. Bobby was there. They traveled the world scheduling under the full moon. On the way home, I stayed with Dee Dee for a little bit to make sure she was okay while they took Gwenny away. On the way home, I noticed all these nines, the number nine. And if y'all know me, I'm very curious and mathematical and scientific like Gwenny. I was like, why nine? I know that nine's my number in life. My, it all adds up to nine for me. That's my life path. So I was curious. Then I see 11. 11. That's confirmation. That's the nine I'm supposed to see. Come to find out. She died at 99 at 9 p.m. and the full moon. That's a sign of completion. She has completed her life, fulfilled her goals, fulfilled her love, fulfilled her lessons. Just yesterday I looked up out of curiosity, wonder what birthday's life path number is. You life path numbers, you say October, that's the 10th month. 28th, add those together, 10, 10. Then, um, was it 19, 24? Life path nine. It all comes together. And we are in completion into a new beginning, just like the hymn says. Thank you, and thank you for coming and honoring our family and Charlotte and everyone's winning. Sorry if I was late. Ish.
The epistle readings are from Corinthians and Timothy. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, then I may boast. But do not have love, I gain nothing. If I give all I possess, excuse me, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not dwell or delight in evil, but rejoices 
with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Now the reading from Timothy. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is a store, is in store for me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Friends, would you stand as you're able for the reading of the gospel? <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor about your body, what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit of span to his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O men of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be yours as well. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Dalton, I wasn't going to bring it up, but since you did, I'll uh, start with the story. Early in my pastorate here, uh, at least I've been 
uh, to Bob and Gwen's house for a couple of their fabulous dinner parties. But then Gwen was in the hospital for, I think it was knee replacement or something. So I went in to visit her, and she right off the bat said, oh, James, my doctor, he is a fine doctor. He's just a fine. I said, Gwen, what is so fine about your doctor? She said, well, the day before yesterday, I told him that in the afternoon here, I was getting the worst headache about 5 o'clock. And he asked me, well, what do you do at home at 5 o'clock? And she said, well, Bob makes me a, a vodka and, and tonic. And that my doctor said, tell Bob to bring you a vodka and tonic. <laughs> He's a fine doctor. I can't do her elegant accent. but When I got the news of this the other day, I was driving toward their home in Canterbury, and my mind drifted. There's so many scriptures we could have read to Psalm 27, which speaks of beholding the beauty the Lord and inquiring at his temple and being of good courage. And I especially like the line, I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Gwen is with God and she sees God and the goodness of God face to face as the reading said. But Gwen saw the goodness of God on this side of eternity. People like no one that I've always, no one I've ever known. She was appreciative of everything, always. I even preached a kind of dopey experimental ser sermon early during the COVID season. Gwen was the only person to call me and say, James, that was really thoughtful. That was great. <laughs> she was a uh, pastor's dream. Her whole attitude to life was so exemplary. She saw the glory of God in creation, small blooming things and tasty things, and she saw the glory of God in faces, every face, not just pretty faces, all faces. She saw God's image multiplied. Uh, Philippians 4 says, in everything be grateful, and Gwen was always, always so grateful. Psalm 30 verse 5 says, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Uh, for Gwen, joy came in the morning, and it came in the afternoon, and it came in the evening, and it came when she was in the hospital in extreme discomfort. What is that about? She kept up the joy. Uh, if we want evidence of God's Spirit being in someone, Paul says the way you can tell is it's the fruit of the Spirit, right? And Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, generosity. I mean, if that's the fruit of God's spirit, Gwen got an extra dose, I would say. Gwen's one of those people I always, uh, in my prayers, accuse God of showing off once in a while. Like, you did that? It's pretty good. God's gift in our world, Gwen Dalton. She'd demur, though, and say, no, 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 it's the world that's so fabulous. It's other people. They were so fabulous. She was beautiful, but she was hardly obsessed with her looks. She was humble and gracious. She was always other-focused. Uh, somebody I know read in the obituary that uh, Gwen went to Duke University in the 40s and majored in chemistry. This person said, I didn't even know they let women in at all back then. Smart. Uh, but Gwen, it wasn't her smarts that mattered. It was her wisdom. She had that kind of deep wisdom it's different from smarts. It's better than smarts, more valuable than smarts. She was never haughty or pretentious. Uh, she had a, an incredible sense of humor reminding me of um, G.K. Chesterton's remark, which is that uh, angels can fly, 
because they take themselves so lightly. Gwen took herself lightly. She relished uh, memories of travels and showed me all these books full of photos and stories from her travels. She valued family heirlooms and mostly people. So wonderful. Jesus pointed to the hills in the passage that I read and said, consider the lilies. Gwen did. She considered the lilies. Jesus said, consider the birds of the air. She considered them. She cared for them. The birds of the air. What rich memories, what a life. Uh, and yet uh, her eye was never only on the past. She had a marvelous past that she could have focused on all day long. She always had her eye trained toward the future. She was always a hopeful person in the future. And Romans chapter 5 says, hope does not disappoint. Doesn't mean we don't go through difficult times and trials and pains, but hope does not disappoint. I did think about this. Uh, if someone else said it, I wouldn't, but nobody else did. So while many people were oppressed by COVID, understandably, Gwen kind of dug COVID. She could be at home and people could come to see her and she couldn't travel to the Alps, so she just created the Alps in her garage. Like, like all people do, of course. You all did that, didn't you? You made an Alpine village in your garage during COVID. Wallace Stevens, the poet and novelist, wrote this. Death is the mother of beauty. Only the perishable can be beautiful which is why we are unmoved by artificial flowers. Let me read that again. I had to go do it several times to get it. Death is the mother of beauty. Only the perishable can be beautiful, which is why we are unmoved by artificial flowers. Amanda is about to sing this 14 angels things. When I, when I think about Gwen, she was, she was God's gracious presence. It's like she had some kind of halo around her, and she was always sharing God's presence with other people, but especially the young, especially those who needed an encouraging word, especially those who needed to be lifted up. I love Gwen Dalton and always will, and thank God for her life, her friendship, her faithfulness joyfulness.
I had the privilege of being the son-in-law of Gwen Dalton, married to her daughter, Dee Dee. And I distinctly remember the first time that I met Gwen. Dee Dee picked me up at the airport, accompanied by someone who appeared to be her sister. <laughs> well, I was wrong. It was her mother. It was Gwen. Gwen was beautiful, physically attractive, certainly. But, but her true beauty was invisible to the eye. She possessed this amazing generosity of spirit that we all came to know. And it was this precious gift of humanity, the sincere giving of herself, that made her so special. Gwen always recognized that life's greatest rewards came from her beloved family. Gwen was born in Mississippi to a family of high achievement, but it was also a family filled with memorable characters. So Gwen grew up understanding and appreciating the breadth and the variety of humanity. And I think this helps explain her ready acceptance to all people, regardless of circumstance. Gwen was a family name, is a family name. Gwen is an ancient word in the Celtic language, and it means light or fair. This is an accurate description of the coloring of her hair and her complexion, but more importantly, it provides an apt description of what was in her heart. Gwen was richly endowed with empathy and understanding, traits that created an uplifting presence, traits that always came to the fore at critical times. Gwen knew how to soothe the feelings of an upset great-grandchild, just as she understood how to comfort a grieving friend who had experienced painful loss. How many, did, how many times did I glimpse at a letter she had written expressing sympathy, words I wish I could have written, or the times I overheard the most heartfelt condolence, words I wish I could have spoken. The recipients of these thoughts remember them quite well. St. Augustine reminds us, the dead are invisible, but they are not absent. The multitude of memories and stories that Gwen left behind ensure her continued presence among us. Adventurous and curious, Gwen took great delight in travel and discovery. And now she's on a journey beyond the stars. As her name reminds us, she was a source of light and fairness. So I would like to imagine that the warmth and decency that she shared throughout her life reassures each of us that she will shine as brightly as anyone she might encounter on her journey. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? 
God of us all, your love never ends. We pray to you for one another in our need and for all anywhere who mourn with us this day. To those who doubt, give light. To those who are weak, give strength. To all who ascend, show mercy. To all who sorrow, grant your peace. Keep true in us the love with which we hold one another. As first you gave Gwen to us, so now we give her back to you. Receive her into the arms of your mercy and raise her up with all your people. Receive us also and raise us into new life. Help us so to love and serve you in this world that we may enter into your joy in the world to come. God of love, we thank you for all with which you have blessed us even to this day, for the gift of joy and days of health and strength, and for the gifts of your abiding presence and promise in days of pain and grief. We praise you for home and friends, and for our baptism and place in your church with all who have faithfully lived and died. Above all else, we thank you for Jesus, who knew our griefs, who died our death and rose for our sake, and who lives and prays for us. And so as he taught us, now we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, I would invite you to uh, join me in standing and singing together our closing hymn, one of Gwen's favorites, Here I Am, Lord, number 593, after the benediction. Uh, if you're not a Myers Park Methodist person, you, you always could be. And uh, if you're not, at the end of every service, we sing one stanza of Lift High the Cross, number 159. Gwen uh, loved this feature at the end of our services. So friend, let us stand and sing. Mm -hmm. 